0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to the next in our series of podcasts at Trekno No Babble. This is Matthew.
1: And this is Kevin.
0: And we are going to be doing uh, Lethe, the sixth episode of Star Trek Discovery.
1: Is, is it Lethe? Uh, I've, I've only ever seen it in print. I was calling it Leaf in my head. Uh, it's Lethe. It's
0: Greek. Um the Greek word for truth is aletheia, okay? And um, it comes from, etymologically speaking, the river Lethe in, uh, you know, presumably the Greek peninsula. And uh, this river was um, sort of legendary, uh, you know, there, there were mythologies about it. That if you were to uh, dip yourself in it, you would forget everything you knew. Okay. And so the Greek word uh, for truth or knowledge, uh, aletheia, means – so anything with the a uh, privative, you know, before before the word, you know, it's like the opposite of that. So their word for truth and knowledge is the opposite of forgetting. You know, so aletheia – um, there you go.
1: <laughs> well, I learned something today.
0: My, my, my graduate education <laughs> has finally come in handy for something. <laughs> oh, that's not true. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm guessing that's what they were going for with the title. Uh, you know, as opposed to, uh, learning or remembering or, or knowing truth. Instead, it's about forgetting. Um, that, you know, I guess that's what I'm taking from it.
1: All right. Where to dive in? Um,
0: hmm. Well, there's a couple big parts of the story, right? Yeah,
1: I, I have to say this episode felt more consistent than anything since the... Uh, opening two-parter largely because i think uh the klingon nonsense was kind of briskly done and right at the end so even though we got klingon speaking klingon with subtitles that was like a hot 30 seconds as opposed to like a third of a uh, it didn't drag it down um i have a lot oh god
0: i was gonna say on that point it just it seemed since they have jettisoned uh The tardigrade, literally, Um, you know, and like you said, aren't focusing so much on Klingon stuff. It seemed like much more of a cohesive story, which was enjoyable.
1: Yeah, Um, I have a lot of questions on both halves of the episode. But, you know, I I was engaged the whole time. Um, I suppose let's start with the I think the more problematic from a franchise. So the half of the episode that i think creates more potential landmines uh from a franchise perspective is the sarah half um i rem- my first thought when uh burnham had her like attack in in the mess hall um was that oh, god another skype call yeah um but i i'll say i said this before uh, about the the spore drive i appreciate an explanation Uh, Even if it's not perfect, because I appreciate at least the attempt to kind of cohese things. So listening to the explanation of uh, Sarek's apparently intergalactic connection uh, with Michael uh, is something... uh, It felt very much out of the playbook of Star Trek's two and three. Uh, That at death, a Vulcan can transfer his Katra to someone and it maintains some durable metaphysical bond um that we've previously borne witness to. So I'm not saying it's a perfect explanation and it strains credulity to the breaking point. But I can't criticize it as much as I did the first time for feeling out of left field. Like my my biggest yeah. problem and Voyager uh did this a couple of times with Tuvok where it's like the the mind meld is just this psychiatric cure-all, like whatever it is literally like snake oil, what it'll cure what ails you. So at least it felt of a piece with what we've previously seen a mind meld be, as opposed to a wholly new invention. I still have questions. I still have problems, but I am mollified lightly.
0: So, yeah, I mean, what I wrote in my notes, uh, about (laughs) the magical Katra here is that she says specifically that the Katra has healing powers, which (sighs) <sighs> okay, let me continue. Uh, and that she received a soul graft, quote unquote, uh, from Sarek, which is the only reason that she is still alive today. Which to me raises a question, does this graft require his persistence for her to be alive? Uh, I don't know. Um, the other sort of problematic note that I detected in the episode was that apparently everybody on Discovery has heard of Catras, which seems kind of odd to me, given that uh, it was never mentioned in TOS by anyone, Uh, and then when it was mentioned in the movies, you know, it was seen as this extremely secretive thing that even Vulcans don't really talk about. And so, how the hell does Cadet Tilly know about a Catra?
1: Yeah, Uh, I'll give you that. Um... The other so oh.
0: as far as the story goes you know what it gives us access to was reasonably interesting I liked okay so at, at the way you put it fr- franchise level problems I mean obviously there is a ginormous retcon going on here where not only is Burnham like a ward who like hung around Sark a few times you know maybe shadowed him in the, at the office but <laughs> now it's like <laughs> she's his other child okay in addition to of course the two children he already has one of whom is a massive retcon in his own right
1: um uh, can we re-retcon him out of existence can we just by agreement uh decide star trek 5 never happened uh,
0: you know what i don't hate cyborg as a character uh and i think from a from a story standpoint it makes a certain amount of sense to have a full Vulcan sibling eh. to be the con- contrast.
1: <laughs> if I'm going to retcon in a sibling, I actually prefer Michael Burnham, but that's a separate discussion, I guess. Well, um- no,
0: it's not a separate discussion. It, I, I agree. Like, I, I still don't agree <laughs> with having Sarek be involved at all, okay? Uh, and I still don't agree with tying this in any way, shape, or form to Spock. I think that's a horrible idea, okay? But I do think that they they at least went in interesting emotional directions.
1: Yeah, that was that was the other thing I was thinking about this. Like I was I was getting all ready to be deeply annoyed, um, but I actually um, I don't quite mind the substance of what we learned from the experience because it does it does the thing a good prequel should do. It colors but doesn't radically alter. The stuff that comes after in story that came first in reality, it like given that Sarek married a human and had a half-human son, it has always been at least a question mark of um, Sarek's discomfort with Spock's decision uh, to join Starfleet. It seems like his objection seems a little bit out of nowhere. So now this episode offers an explanation that it rendered useless one of Sp- Sarek's deepest regrets. That's an interesting explanation. It, it is an explanation and it, and it tracks. Um, I still have, I don't quite like this actor for Sarek. I just don't, I don't get the kind of, um, still waters running deep that Sarek and every other portrayal has, has had. Um, I will say I did like the end scene in Sick Bay. With Sarek being still distant and unresponsive, uh, because that felt very much like the similar TOS episode, um, uh, what was that, Journey to Babel?
0: Journey to Babel.
1: So, like, it's an interesting explanation of something that's been a bit of an open question. And it it tracks, like, uh, Sarek, in the moment, made an emotional decision one that's not entirely, un, you know, it's not like we can't understand it, even if we wouldn't agree with it. Um, and Spock's decision mooted it, so that would create, in a person who acknowledged their emotions, lots of conflicting emotions. All of that tracks, so I suppose I'm like, I still don't know why we bother to do all this, but it's so far less annoying than I thought it would be.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, you know, so I'm trying to like understand Sarek's motivation. He wanted to create a human being. So, and and that's the way he describes it, right? Like, like he made her into this person. Um, he wanted to create a human being who would demonstrate human potential to Vulcans in order to, uh, like, advocate for their integration with the Federation and, you know, like, make it be okay for them to do stuff with humans. Um, so, I, I, you know, it's introducing a much more uh, sort of acute uh, Vulcan human racism element, which was, you know, it was a part of Enterprise and it was a part of the Abrams prequels, and I, I don't hate it. Um, it, it obviously <laughs> raises huge questions about the Vulcans as a people and their dedication to logic, uh, so to speak. You know, of course, I, I think the, the term logic is used and abused quite a bit when it comes to Vulcans. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's not logical at all. <laughs> at all to judge someone based on, you know, sort of stereotypical ideas about their species. It, you know, it, it's an ad hominem. Uh, it's, it, it's a non sequitur. Uh, you know, I don't know. It's, <laughs> there are big problems with doing it. So having it be a story element is interesting. And of course, I think it's interesting to have, you know, Sonequa Martin-Green playing against racism but not, you know, black, white racism. Um, that's interesting, uh, from a sort of a meta perspective. Um, it's just, yeah. Why, you know, why I, I see what you're saying about how it doesn't really change anything. It more adds to it than, you know, alters it, uh, as far as Sarek's motivation with spock but i think in some ways it kind of makes sarek seem really douchey like to a character assassinating extent yeah, it, it
1: doesn't make sense why he wouldn't explain this it doesn't make sense oh no i'm not talking about w- in with
0: respect to his behavior towards burnham i'm talking about with respect to his behavior towards spock
1: yeah, you know, yeah, I'll give you that. Like if his like whole point he's, be- was-
0: he's being practically, you know, like emotional and, and caring and loving towards Burnham. And yet he's a complete fucking asshole to Spock, which we're told in TOS is because that's the Vulcan way, you know. Yeah,
1: And, and if and, and if his whole point was some human Vulcan integration, why wouldn't Spock's going to the Academy achieve that?
0: Like, yeah, it, it does- so it's a mess. It's a mess. Like, it works for her character. It does not work at all for his character. Yeah. It's a a mess as far as Sarek goes.
1: Yeah, I just... I don't know why they did it. I still don't know why they... Like, even if you you literally picked any other Vulcan without the baggage of being Spock's father, I, I would not have any problems with any of this.
0: I think that would be completely and totally interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... Human Vulcan relations very interesting, you know. And the, we can the difference... assume
1: that more than one Vulcan had a relationship with a human. That's fine. There's presumably billions of Vulcans and billions of humans, and even at a yeah. get rate of you know point one of uh, you know point oh one of a percent, that's more than one couple. Like, I'm...
0: well, yeah, I mean, just by the very fact that these two species are you know in constant contact with each other, there'd be somebody knocking boots here or there. Um, it, there doesn't even have to be a Vulcan human relationship. It can just be a Vulcan who takes a human in, you know, maybe out of curiosity, maybe out of a sense of moral, you know, like Kantian moral duty or something, you know, it doesn't have to be Sarek at all. And so it just, yeah, it's a mess. It's a mess as far as his motivations go. Um, Speaking of, you know things that stick out based on where they've, where and when they've placed this. Uh, we have a holographic battle simulator. Yeah. Um, which I mean, I guess it was a cool scene. I do question whether throwing yourself on the floor in front of you know like a dozen. Oh, I know uh, these.
1: Co- uh, a comment I'll get to and like okay, I can discuss this now. I wrote this looks a lot like Star Wars a couple of times in my notes, and it was particularly. Um, the attack, uh, I think the, yeah, the fight scene in the holodeck, the shot of Sarek's ship taking off of Vulcan looks very much like one of the trillion tedious landing takeoff shots from the Star Wars prequels, and then the shot of the, what was it, uh, what was the name of that planet Cancree 4? That shot of like that building above a precipice in the rain looked like again the 9000 establishing shots that have permeated modern Star Wars movies. Um and the Klingon troops were stormtroopers. I really like to think that 12 of me with weapons storming the room could take out the two of them, and I am really not trained at all in any type of armed combat. But 12 people, I mean, it was just a little ridiculous. Um, Yeah. One thing I want to say before we move on from the Sarek thing, I will say I did like that for at least, you know, you, you kind of parsed it this way too, where it's like this. This half of the episode works for Michael Burnham's character. It like I like that the resolution hinged on her having an emotional insight into Sarek's actions, and then I like that the events of the episode had an apparent positive and lasting impact on at least her sense of self, if not her relationship with Sarek. So like from like a you know in the four walls of the episode, setting aside our sort of franchise level meta problems that that part of the episode worked like if the goal was to gain an insight into michael burnham and her relationship with her you know family the episode achieved that and the result of that exploration was a meaningful improvement in how michael burnham views herself and her place in the world so it's like I, I liked that. Like, hey, we had a whole episode pretty almost where, and we'll get to this other half in a minute, but almost the entire episode was people talking about their feelings and other people's feelings and the way all those feelings interact. I'm like, okay, yeah, I was, okay. I was very
0: pleased by the <laughs> tonal shift. I agree with that totally. You know, it was much less explosion y, you know, much less fisticuff, you know, like, I, it was a nice change of pace. Okay, Uh, we've talked about change of pace episodes in other franchises. Here, the change of pace is from breakneck to anything else, and I appreciate that. You know, Um, yeah. So yes, it works for her. Uh, the The other big half of the story is the Lorca half of the story, right?
1: Which I was all ready to hate. I was ready to hate it, and I ended up liking about 80, 85% of it a lot. Um, I liked, uh, I like any time, you know, that they show rather than tell um, a character's history. I thought the two actors had a good job of having a rapport. Um, the part I really hated was the, them having sex. I don't know why, that just annoyed the yeah. shit out of me.
0: Well, so, yeah, I mean, I, I wrote that in my notes too. It's like the scenes of her sort of, grilling him and trying to determine how emotionally damaged he is for perfectly valid reasons, you know, in terms of overall strategy. Uh, Wonderful, great scenes, really liked them. It seemed obvious from the prior episodes that they had a romantic history. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I guess in part – so – I, I, too, you know, batted an eyelash a bit at the fact that they just, you know, got down to it. <laughs> uh, part of it was because his come on didn't seem all that smooth or anything. It was just like, like I expected who, who her to shut We got it- 50 minutes. Like, let's just let's just bone. Yeah, okay. I expected
1: her to, like, shut it down and be like, now I know you're playing me. I did like the dynamic of them both accusing the other accurately, I believe, of playing each other. Like, and it wasn't like that was just what they were doing. Like, I believe they do have a genuine relationship, but she was clear. Like, they were both kind of leveraging their history to try to suss out information about the other and the other's goals and p- position. So, I, I, I liked that. That was interesting. I also liked the the one off um, that, like, unless you unless you read this differently, that this was because he literally said, "Well, you're not practicing again." Right, so like the implication was that her civilian career or earlier Starfleet career was as a mental health professional, and I like that. anytime they imply that there are career paths in Starfleet that are not just being a military officer, then a captain, then an admiral, like like we talked about with Janeway, where it's like it, you can you can go up through the ranks through any number of fields, and that always makes Starfleet feel like a place we'd all like to be. Um, so I, I yeah. like that.
0: I got the impression that maybe she had been his psychologist uh, after the Buran uh, imbroglio. Um,
1: I had to look that up because I knew I knew it, but I didn't know what it was. That's the uh, Soviet space shuttle. Which which,
0: never launched, yeah.
1: Yeah, which between the uh, Shenzhou and the 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 Buran were we're referencing everyone's space program.
0: It seems like an odd choice, though. Like an aborted... Program that probably would never have worked. Well,
1: I mean, they couldn't call it the Soyuz. That'd be a little too on the nose.
0: I guess. They had Soyuz class cool. ships. Um, I guess it just... Like, if she believes that he is mentally unstable...
1: Why did she leave for two weeks? Be like, we'll we'll get you off the bridge of this incredibly powerful starship in a couple of weeks. Like, I understand...
0: Well, no, that- not, not even that. Like, if she believes that he's mentally unstable and probably should be relieved of command... Is having sex with him really what should be done here from a professional standpoint? Yeah,
1: yeah. I will say— It seemed
0: unprofessional of her. Yes. Even if she has a romantic history with him.
1: Or an ulterior motive. Like, all of it seems like— Yeah, like like I said, that was the 15% of the plot I didn't like. I also don't like seeing women choked. It's a bit of—it's like, oh, God, could we— I watch Star Trek because it's not Game of Thrones. Well, it's
0: it's cool that she got pissed off, though.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm glad she didn't excuse it or minimize it and was like, oh, my God, now I know you're fucking nuts because he's fucking nuts. But it's just like, you know what? I actually watched Star Trek to get away from all of the other forms of entertainment in the world that capitalize on violence against women. I'm just putting it out there. Um, but overall, I re- I really like the actress. Like the last thing I recall her in was the the bitchy receptionist in Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. And I really so you know totally different character here, and I really like her. Like except for the sex, she was super professional, and I like the way they mind like like. I think the two actors were doing a good job with it. I think, the again, except for the sex, uh, the script was doing a good job with it. Like, there was clear history, there was clear conflict between what she wants that's best for him, what she wants that's best for the ship, her obligations as an officer, like, all of that clashed in an interesting way. If if they had not had sex, this would be, like, a whole notch better of a plot.
0: There's also the question, I mean, (laughs) even before it became obvious what was going on it's like we know they're not going to relieve him of command so either she has to die or she has to completely change her opinion on the matter uh and so you know when it became clear that she was going to go off to the klingons it was you know oh god yeah i I was like kelly and i both said it to each other we're like okay are they are they going to kill the third interesting female character on this show uh it seems like they're probably going in the other direction where they're just going to change her mind with Lorca rescuing her or something.
1: Yeah, I, I, I for a second, I wondered, like, did Lorca tip off Cole about this? But his, his what he was describing made it sound like his plan was a trap the whole time. Uh, to, borrow, well, to borrow another Star Wars phrase, it's a trap. So um,
0: I found I found two things really interesting. Uh, one was his appeal to her not to take the ship away from him i really like that scene because it could be read either way like it was either serious or he was trying to manipulate her with emotion or both uh,
1: like I, I believe he could be like acting uh, in his head he could be thinking he's manipulating her but inadvertently tapped into a genuine reservoir of complex emotion about his position like i, I i'm i was there for yeah that was a great line it was like Naked it was it was both honest and manipulative, which I think yeah. people are pretty good at,
0: but then, um when uh, Saru came in, you know, and said she'd been captured, he you almost got the feeling that he was calculating. It's like, okay, I shouldn't go rescue her because she's going to relieve me of command, and I'll only go rescue her if I'm ordered to. I want to rescue her, too, and maybe i it, it was like there were a lot of shades, yeah, and so no, that, totally, totally. that was cool. Um, and, and
1: I like Saru kind of clocking it. It, it. it it makes Saru look like a competent person. It sets up conflict down the line. Obviously, there will be reveals at some point, I assume, um, in the serialized story, because that's what a serialized story is for. It is for delaying the reveal of something. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but overall, like, the emotional notes were there. And, like, I, I like that they're... My reading of the scripts thus far is that we are supposed to un- agree that Lorca is somewhat unbalanced. Um, that, yeah. that it's not, ju- he's not, he's, like, Kirk was on the good side of the cowboy line, like, almost exclusively, like, he, he was, in fact, correct. He, he, he was making the bold choices on the front line that had to be made by someone quickly, blah, blah, blah. And we're supposed to understand that Lorca's, that's a cover a little bit for some deeper problem. Um, And I I like that shading. Um, So, yeah, again, and I'm and I never normally I never say this because I'm I I love sex. Sex is great. But and it can be very interesting in stories. But this time, total mistake. It was a mistake not just for the characters as their characters. It was a mistake for the writers writing them.
0: (laughs) So let's talk about Ash Tyler.
1: Um, Um, The uh, What annoyed the fuck out of me was he's like, I want to make you security chief. Like, chief? There's not like a deputy chief who's like in line for a promotion or also quality. It it was one of those like, "Eh, don't, don't, don't do that thing. Don't do that thing where the newbie shows up and gets the command position because the script says he should. Um, I like that there was some pushback from the Admiral on that. Like, this guy was being tortured for six months a week ago, and you're ready to put him in a high-stress, high-conflict position from the jump. That's not okay. I'm like, thank God someone in Starfleet has, like, a human resources manager. Like, that was that was good.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, so we, we talked about this before. There's sort of, like, two possibilities here. One is that he is on the level. He's from, you know, Pasqua or whatever Seattle. it's called.
1: Outside Seattle. of Seattle.
0: Um, you know, and so he, he's just going to be a new human Starfleet <laughs> character. The other possibility uh, that he is somehow Voke in disguise, um, which strains credulity Beyond the breaking point, as far as I'm concerned, given his behavior, the way he talks, like unless they're going to go with some kind of sci fi angle where they capture this guy and like actually melded them together or scooped out his brains or something and put him into Vogue. Like there's just no fucking way in the universe he could have this level of mastery of culture, idiom, you know, all this stuff. You know, without some some kind of sci-fi element that allows it to be so, okay? Um, And so, so the basically at this point, I'm just holding out hope that he's just a human.
1: I know it's. I mean, if nothing else, like again, I if I want to watch Lost, I'll watch Lost.
0: The problem with that belief is that there were a few little dropped hints here. You know, it was like, you fight like a Klingon, Lorca says to him. And he's like, well, I was held by him for seven months, so, you know, I was bound to pick something up, you know. And then also there was the hint in the the mess room, which, again, I I adore at this point. I love the mess room because it's very TOS reminiscent. Uh, Although WTF is with this... Computer like selling the food
1: to yeah, people yeah, after okay. the fact. Right. Yeah. It, they've already, it's ordered it.
0: bizarre. It's a bizarre choice. Um, anyway, anyway, <laughs> uh, in the mess room, you know, Tilly and Burnham were talking about how he could take out six Klingon warriors. And, you know, Burnham's like, yeah, that didn't happen. No one can do that unless, bum, 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 it's a Klingon, you know. Right, right. So uh, yeah.
1: if, if you accept that Ash Tyler is human per se, um, I did like his interactions with Burnham. I liked their little scene. Yeah, that was nice. Like, absolutely. I'm kind of, pulling I like, for him to be a human. Like <laughs> I
0: am absolutely pulling for him to be human because those scenes were good, you know? And so I guess the other direction they might be going, if it does involve some sort of, you know, meld, so to speak between Vogue and captured Ash Tyler, um, is that like he'll somehow go be, native? Yeah, woo- wooed by his human half or something. I don't know. I, I would prefer it if you were just human.
1: Uh, speaking uh, of other interactions, I liked all of the scenes with Burnham and Tilly. Tilly hasn't exactly grown on me, but I don't find her irritating anymore. They, someone uh, looking at those dailies, realized that they set that nice girl to a rolling boil when they needed to bring it down to a smooth simmer um yeah. her her quirkiness is much more under control and and I le- and even she gets a little like you know moment for herself like she she clearly understands how to assimilate Burnham's advice without following it in lockstep and that that's character growth that makes me think she actually is qualified for a command career in Starfleet given that she can you know learn from people more experienced without feeling beholden to them that's a positive skill i'm like okay good for you guys so Good character work in many, many places this time.
0: Uh, This was a Joe Manoski episode. Yeah, yeah,
1: I saw, he tweeted, uh, uh, he co-wrote Darmok with um, the other writer of the episode tonight. So, um, I'll say, like we said, this was the most consistent, and I'll say the most consistently Star Trek episode they've had so far, even with the ill-advised, unprofessional sex, and some of the... Vulcan magic mind melding. Um, the all of the core was there. all of these episodes, I'll say this as annoyed as I am by the intergalactic mind meld. The episode didn't turn on the mind meld the, the, that even that that arc. The episode turned on honest character reactions that were understandable for the characters as we understand them in the episode. So like all of like I don't I've said this before, I don't mind the craziest, credulity straining setup if you take it somewhere interesting or use it to facilitate something more substantive like i'll i will let go that faster than light travel is probably not really possible if you use your faster than light drive to make an interesting story um so that's that's good so that was that was there um the the things i saw in darmok that make me like darmok i see many of them here in this episode even if they are slightly obscured by several things that annoy the hell out of me.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, it, it had a much better tonal uh, balance, at least in terms of what I want yeah. <laughs> out, of, out of Star Trek. It still lacked, you know, a strong sci-fi theme, uh, but not every episode has to have that, right? Looks like next episode we're going to get at least some kind of strong oh, yeah. sci-fi theme.
1: Time loops and everything. Yeah. Um, I will. Uh, uh, oh, I, I'm just want to throw out
0: some some fan service mentions, there was the Iridian Nebula. Yeah. Uh, they they mentioned the Constitution-class Enterprise. Um,
1: <laughs> Which made you happy and anxious at the same time? <laughs>
0: I, I, it's like they can't possibly show it, right? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, it it's good in with... <laughs> Respect to the idea that they're situating themselves in a universe that we know and love, right? They're not just going to ignore, you know, stuff. But it, yeah, it, it's, it, there's a bit of foreboding there too. You know, it's like. Like
1: if we see the Enterprise and it looks the same as TOS, it's going to be weird. If we see it and they've made it look like Discovery.
0: Then it'll know. be you. Horrible, and uh, yeah, I might, I might actually burst a blood vessel. Yeah, I will,
1: brain. I will roll my eyes and finish the episode. You might have an embolism. <laughs> like, start taking blood thinners now. <laughs> um,
0: what, what, who the fuck is the chief medical officer on this ship, and what is he or she doing with their time? <laughs> Can I just ask that?
1: Yeah, it's also like, why isn't? Where is
0: this person?
1: Yeah, why, why isn't? Um. Uh, Culber, the CMO, he has gray in his hair. That makes him old enough to be a chief medical officer. Like, there's, there's just no reason for him not to be, unless you're saving, you know, Robert Picardo or something, or you know, uh, you gave Gates McFadden a job or something. Like, there's just nothing you're holding on to that makes this make sense. I agree fully. Um,
0: uh, I, I gotta say, there was. This is more of a production note, um, and it, it's consistent. Unfortunately, with uh, the Abrams movies, uh, the lack of green skin tone on Vulcans is kind of upsetting to me. You know, because it becomes impossible, and then they give them like really subtle ear tips too, and it's just like these people are just acting like douchey, affectless humans, and they look like them too. Because like the the gray haired guy who is being all racist and shit, you know, during this graduation. He just looked human.
1: Yeah, he didn't read his Vulcan.
0: He had pink skin. He had stubble on his face. It was just like, is anybody paying attention? You know, it's. It, I'm not saying they need like head ridges or something. I'm just saying, you know, in TOS, Spock wore, you know, they put Leonard Nimoy in makeup. He didn't look like that normally, you know? Like, they, they ashed out his skin. They gave him a, a, a greenish tinge underneath. And... You knew instantly that this person was alien, even if you didn't see the ears. You know, and are, are, are the wigs- practically none of these Vulcans actually look Vulcan. Uh,
1: the, the wigs are bothering me. The wigs are bad.
0: Yeah, the wig on
1: the young guy was kind of
0: ridiculous. Yeah. Kinda- oh,
1: speaking of that, well, well since we're well, since we're getting into the production notes, that's about the sub most of the notes I have left. Uh, don't remind me of the Kazon. That's a that's a show note. You can take <laughs> as read forever and ever and ever. Don't do things. B- that Kazon bodily did.
0: explosive is definitely yeah.
1: I'm like oh god. Um, also, I don't like calling them logic extremists. That makes it sound like they're really hardcore programmers or something. Like I just we've ref- we have discussed sort of racist, xenophobic, violently so Vulcans before, but I don't think we call them logic extremists. Yeah, and that's
0: not logic. That's- every
1: time they said it. I cringed. I'm like, they need a better name.
0: They're it, basically like Vulcan Trumpers. They're just, they, you know, they're like, you know, fucking nativist weirdo Steve Bannon types. Like, that's that's the opposite of logic. You know, that yeah. that's, well, these people be, are, are operating based on, you know, base emotions. Yeah, to, you I know. mean, to
1: the extent that logic is not actually a value system, it's a system for, assessing whether a proposed action comports with your value system it is not itself a value system but that's been a problem with the Vulcan invocation of logic since TOS and we're not going to solve it tonight on this podcast um I went back and forth on the design for Vulcan I thought the shot of Sarek's ship taking off felt very much like a Star Wars scene and that made me less inclined to like it um, I liked the matte paint, the matte shot, or the establishing shot well enough. It was, you know, high-tech city in a desert. All, everything seems to be in order here. Um, my first thought on seeing uh, Memory Vulcan was that it looked like Aeon Flux, which again, <laughs> it was more just like, this all looks like someone else's science fiction. That being said, I thought they did a good job of populating it with extras. It felt like a real place. Um, in a way that even some of the enterprise stuff might not. When it was, you know, like we have like one square of real and everything else is CGI. So I, overall, I was fine with it. Um, it had a very kind of austere geometric aesthetic, and that ports with Vulcans. I lo- I loved loved everything Michael Burnham was wearing in Vulcan memory time. That entire look was fantastic i like the asymmetrical cut i liked her robes i liked the jewelry um it like at first i was like does that read as vulcan and then i remembered all the crazy stuff that like vulcan matrons wear at various points and i'm like no 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 this is definitely of a piece she's wearing like katra like jewelry or not i'm like everything is in order here and that little side swept asymmetrical bob was everything. I just, I love that entire look, and I hope that uh, drag queens adopt it in part of their uh, Halloween looks this season. It made me very, it overall, look. I mean, it looked very, it was very flattering on a very attractive woman, so it's not like they had a lot of difficult work to do, but it just uh, for some, that was one of those looks that actually made me think, this does feel of a piece with TOS Vulcans, because Vulcan women do apparently appear capable of just a little drama in their looks, and that Feels completely together with that. Um, yeah,
0: I really I liked the designs uh, as far as the the memory stuff went. Um, I I thought they definitely felt Vulcan in the way that I expect Vulcan <laughs> to feel. Um,
1: what did you think and, of Amanda? Um,
0: I was I like, was like a poor man's Winona Rider?
1: I mean, they were going for like greek goddess for from what it appeared but then i remember you know jane wyman rocked a pretty elaborate updo uh in journey to babel so uh, it's not out of nowhere like the character as established likes long flowy gowns and big hair so nothing was quite out of place um, i was
0: i was sort of evaluating it more from an acting standpoint and from an acting standpoint it seemed like a poor man's Winona rider to me. Uh, you know, it's like she was acceptable, but not much more than that. Um,
1: I, it's just, and I'm trying not to do it, but it's their own fault. It's just uh, Jane Wyman and Mark Lennard were really good in those roles. Like she, she had the right kind of playful, witty banter with Sarek that gave some depth to the idea that they had a lifelong relationship. Like, there was... Maybe it's just because they did it first, and they did it several times, and they did it several times over decades, so it's like... It's it's not like they recast the characters in the movie, so I have different ones to compare them to. At several points, all both those actors really did a good job defining those roles, and it's just... I, I just can't imagine anyone not coming up a little short at least for us i mean maybe no
0: i jane wyman was incredible i mean i think by any standard uh given that's i mean her largest amount of screen time was in journey to babel right yeah and in that she created <laughs> practically an indelible character you know like her just the, her voice like the the voice that she gave those line readings was incredible, but then she's got that look too, that incredible uh sort of um handsome woman. Well you know she she mean? has
1: to have like you figure a woman who would a human woman who would marry a Vulcan has to be this kind of like, you know, patrician aristocrat who yes. otherwise values all of Vulcan society, but has enough like wry sarcasm beneath the surface to Engage that and not like lose themselves emotionally. So like she and I think and I think she played it that way of like I know a lot of your of of Vulcan you know stoicism is posturing because she lives with it day in and day out. She knows when her husband is covering and that kind of way she could poke at him spoke both to their intimacy and her intelligence. So like that that maybe that's what what I'm I'm missing from both characters actually. Um, is that an aristocratic isn't quite the word. Um, No.
0: So I have this very, I mean, it, it is what Jane Wyman is in the role, but when, when you talk about a woman who was completely smoking hot at some point, but now has matured into a still pretty hot, handsome, older woman, you know, like that's what Jane Wyman is to me. It's like, damn, I bet she was just like incredibly gorgeous 10 years ago. And I'd still totally nail her because she's really hot. Right. But, but she's got this, uh, you know, weight. And I don't mean that literally, I mean like gravity, like respectability, like, and and, you know, this patrician, uh, bearing, I have met a couple women like that in my life, you know, who are like 50 or 60 and you're just like, damn, like this is a charming, handsome, uh, People call it handsome. You know, it's like this woman is so handsome, right? It, it's 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 a weird thing to say, and we don't say it much anymore. But you know, when you're like, now that is a handsome woman. You know, it, it's like she she's aged into her look effortlessly.
1: Well, and you know? there was like a comfort in her portrayal. Like, and just yeah, I I don't see how the two characters we're getting in this episode turn into the characters we get in Journey to Babel.
0: Yeah. Winona Ryder didn't have it either. I mean, like she's a bit stronger of a presence than the actress they had in this, you know? And so it it was probably her bad old voice acting that did it for me, uh, that didn't do it for me rather in, in the, you know, pre in the Abrams movies, and so it's it just seems like they've moved away from that feel for the character that it's an older woman who is formidable. You know who else had it? Uh, Nora Satie, right?
1: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. She they were both cut from the same cloth. That kind of effortlessly graceful old Hollywood glamour. Yeah, yeah, I get what. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like. I don't quite get that from this character. And it just, it just bothers me because like, you know, TOS isn't, isn't my, it's not that I dislike it, obviously, but it's not my favorite franchise. It's not, it's not my second, but I responded very positively to those portrayals. And I liked like to the point where it's like, like, um, Sarek's presence in next generation didn't feel like a cheap sop to the old school fans Largely on the strength of Mark Leonard's acting, like he brought the gravity that made his character's presence legitimate, and I just like yeah, I, I, and we and I just keep circling back to why, like whatever they wanted that scene to achieve in sickbay between Spock and 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 Michael in this episode, uh, Mark Leonard and Leonard Nimoy achieved. In a fraction of the time, like I, or like that scene at the end of Star Trek Four, like that little moment of, do you have a message for your mother? Yeah, tell her I feel fine. There's like more like genuine relationship and resolve and acknowledgement in that like ten seconds. Then they squeezed out of this entire episode with the two characters, and it, there were things I liked about it, and I liked what they did for the Michael Burnham character. But it just it doesn't ju- it doesn't cross a line into justifying its own existence yet.
0: Yeah, I agree with that completely. Um, uh, so effects wise, uh, we had our sort of holodeck, for lack of a better term, holographic simulator. Uh, I I felt like. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about pointless, right? Um,
1: right. Well, th- at some point, we're going to go from this back to the empty black room with the floating dots and then back to politics. <laughs>
0: well, it's just, uh, yeah, th- there were any number of ways they could have done that. Like, I get the feeling they were trying to make us wonder whether they were just Actually, fighting the Klingons or yeah, something, yeah, which is just pointless, you know. It, those sorts of games aren't impressive to me, <laughs> it, you know. It, it just wastes my time. Um, the nebula was an interesting effect,
1: it's very chaotic. Um, I'm not saying I, I mean, I have an effect, it, it is not linear. Um, I have an affection for uh, the mutara nebula class of effects um largely because since they did them with physical objects to the extent possible they usually achieve like yeah I, I don't know they just
0: they as- have a certain weight they have a certain feeling of motion that that feels real regardless of whether that actually corresponds to real phenomena in the universe it it feels real when you watch it yeah
1: so it just uh it felt very busy um like the warp effect is very busy the nebula effect was very busy it's it's a it's a style choice it's not it's not bad it's well applied i mean whatever they decided to do they didn't do it badly it's just more of like a a choice um, and whether or not we liked it um
0: in some ways uh it was a little bit similar to the um space amoeba effect from TOS you know where it's very kaleidoscopic and uh, sort of frenetic yeah I can see that but not in a way that you know makes me like it particularly (laughs) so uh, as far as that goes Um, the shuttle it had the sort of uh, cavernous feel that the TOS shuttle had I guess that's good Um, you know like they, they sort of went Uh, all in on the sort of launching effects and things like to make it seem cool I guess Um, yeah you know I guess for me nothing stuck out as particularly great I I guess the other effects note is uh, Burnham and Tilly jogging through this sort of tube uh, going from some portion of the saucer Slash pizza cutter to some other section of it.
1: Oh yeah. What, what do we think about the disco shirts?
0: Disco. I I mean, I guess there's, there's a certain wit to it, right?
1: Uh, I rolled my eyes. That's where I'm at.
0: (laughs) Well, she was wearing one. Was it in the preview or was she actually wearing it? I think she was wearing it in the episode. I thought it was the preview.
1: I hadn't, I hadn't clocked this yet, but
0: yeah, maybe it was the preview. Um, yeah, I mean, so you don't really see anyone in an Ent t-shirt, <laughs> uh, but I didn't mind it. It, I, I see it as kind of being witty, in, in a visual, visually witty. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be there, but in, in a real world, there are choices that are made, you know, like... I. I'll put it this way. I like the disco shirts better than the gold, silver and bronze uniform choices. You know, um, the, the uniforms do nothing for me. The disco shirts do more for me.
1: Uh, I don't mind the look of the uniform itself. I agree that gold and bronze look too similar. Um, but like on Burnham, the, the silver panels are flattering. I mean,
0: well, and I still don't know what anyone's rank is except (laughs) that Lorca is captain. (laughs) And Saru is number one, I guess, uh, but only because we've been told that so many times. It you can't see it, you just can't you can't read it visually on the screen, and that's dumb. That's a stupid choice. Uh, sooner or later, I'll stop talking about it, but I just want to say it again. It's dumb. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> they could, they could have done. I don't care how they indicate the rank. It's just a big part of the series. You know, it's a big part of the franchise that there are different jobs, that they have ranks. So is Burnham getting like a field commission or what? Like what's going on here?
1: Uh, until I see otherwise, I'm just going to assume it's like a, like the Voyager, like the Maquis, where it's like they're, they're crewmen. They, their rank is crewmen.
0: Is she going to get a badge? Like, I don't know. I <laughs> Speaking of badges, I found it kind of comical how uh corn is it cornwall um like took off her badge before she did the nasty oh yeah that's
1: like, i hate that like I, <laughs> i'm telling you there's that's not a thing I, I don't like if someone has some intelligence on this uh, to prove us wrong. Please tell me. But I'm reasonably certain that taking off your rank insignia does not magically relieve you of the obligations related to that position. It's just one of it's. it's like in every military movie when the guy takes his hat or his insignia off. Oh, now we can have a fight because I'm not in the military for the next five minutes. Like that's that's not how it works. <laughs> it's not like when I take off my necktie, I am relieved of the obligations uh, attendant to my status as a lawyer. They're just always on um uh, just uh, uh, annoys me. Um, and, and it only underscore it's a d- it's a dumb TV trope that un- that preceded a terrible plot decision so it extra annoyed me. Yeah like l- l- <laughs> yeah like, like like it's not it's not inappropriate. Relations with a subordinate if you're not wearing your rank pins, you're having sex. We assume you weren't wearing your rank pins. <laughs> yeah, like she was about to take off the damn jacket. Like,
0: <laughs> yeah, you're just not an admiral anymore. Once you're naked. Right. So why did you have to take off the badge? Uh, I mean, I guess maybe she was flirting. It's like, woohoo, look at me now. No badge. I I was
1: really hoping she was going to stand up and smack him. I just, I would have liked it so much more had that been the breaking point for her. Oh, that would have been
0: an incredible scene. It's like your your
1: cheap attempt at seduction is proof that everything I'm afraid of has come to pass. Um, But mm, mm, I hope she's, I hope she comes out okay and just kicks Lorca right in the balls. Like I want, (laughs) like I just.
0: I guess, yeah, so I guess the best possible outcome of this sort of serial story uh development is that he does rescue her and is commended by other admirals and she can't override them or something and so she's pissed off and stays pissed off and still wants to relieve him of duty but can't or something um because he you know did such a great job in the eyes of the other other admirals i i don't know there are also, interesting even dynamics.
1: She, even if she wants to take him out, she totally just slept with him. Like it, it, it's like, isn't that going to be a problem at the hearing? <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, no, sexual harassment doesn't exist in the twenty third century.
1: Ugh, God, if only. Um,
0: <laughs> no, I, I mean like as a policy.
1: <laughs> apparently. Oh, oh, oh! And you meant that in the negative way, not not like the positive. We've moved yeah. beyond such petty shit. Um, no, I. Oh, God, now I'm depressed.
0: No, like. Betsy DeVos succeeded in the 21st century Oof. at destroying title nine. And so, um, which is not to say title nine does not have its problems, but <laughs> su- such that in the future, uh, people are just sleeping with everybody without regard for, uh, you know, power dynamics or, or, <laughs> or whatever. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's so problematic that it's just bizarre that. <sighs> so like, archer in enterprise did it with another captain okay but they were at the same rank and they were like gunning for different ships you know to be their command right and so there was the starfleet captain doing it with a handsome woman uh you know of his age uh and that seemed very organic and real right and this one it's like it's like they watched that and they like that and they're like, let's try to do something like that. But they didn't really think it through, you know? And so on some levels, yeah, the actors are cool. You're like, I like the actors and you know, I'm, I'm happy when people, you know, have fulfilling sex on screen and, you know, like great, but they, they just sort of didn't think through the, all the, all the consequences, I guess. Or maybe they did. Maybe, maybe they did, you know, who knows? I guess we should just hold out hope that, Everything will work out.
1: All right, I think uh, I think I've uh, picked out everything I that caught my eye. Um, so, what do we think? Is this well, where does this fall for you?
0: Uh, you know, like there are parts of it that I want to say are four ish, but there are parts of it that are definitely less than four ish. Um, I feel like I have to stick with a three. You know, it's just for everything that is given, something is taken away. <laughs> you know, and so like it all, It just keep, I I want to like it more than I do because there are parts of it that are really engaging and interesting, uh, and yet I'm just consistently dragged back to earth so to speak, you know, by irritating crap that didn't have to be there. Um, And I'm not talking franchise crap for the most part. Uh, You know, I'm talking like tone. I'm talking, uh, you know, proportion of types of scenes to each other. Uh, And so this is one of the better episodes in terms of like caring about the characters. I care about the characters way more now than I did last episode or the episode before that. Yeah. You know, before now only Burnham was really interesting because you knew her history. Okay. Sorry. was interesting because the performance and maybe Stamets to some degree. Uh, but the rest of them were just like, they're just like people doing stuff and I don't really care. Right now I care more about Lorca you know, I got to say the Stamets like hippy dippy stuff was not. Oh,
1: that was wearing real thin.
0: Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, you know, Tilly came off much better this episode. Like you get to see her her goals, her her motivations, the, the way she's approaching things. Uh, Ash Tyler was much more interesting in this episode, which makes me hope that he is just a human. Um, so like a lot of it worked. I just, I'm just kind of like, why is it Sark? You know, why are they sending intergalactic Skype? Katra calls, you know, why, why did she have sex with him? You know what? And I, to me, I guess really, and I suppose this is a meta point, less an episode, in episode point, but it assassinates Sarek's character to have him be nearly compassionate, almost, you know, with Burnham, but to then have had the, the sort of approach he has to Spock. Um, like the Sarek and Spock was paid off After, like, 20 years of development in the movies and then in the episode, Sarek, right?
1: Well, like, even, like, in Unification, Spock references that he never mind-melded with his father. Yeah. He's literally shared an experience with this character who, until this series we'd never heard of, uh, that he didn't share with his son. And it it muddies the water of of Sarek's position and outlook and actions and unnecessarily like I'm just even if it pays off it's still going to be like why did you give yourself this to to, like you found a good story like the the, the idea of a Vulcan who takes a human under his wing and uh, sees it as a blah 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 all of those things would have worked as well with Schmerik of Vulcan yeah
0: Sarek needed no additional stories told about Sarek do you agree with that yeah, statement? Yeah. There, there was absolutely no reason. Serik's character arc was essentially complete. You know, yeah. there, there was no reason to do it. Like I, I'm more on board with more Harry mud stuff than I am with more Sarek stuff. Because I mean, Sarek was an in, integral character to one of the series leads, one of the franchise leads, you know, and, his relationship with Spock was the story, you know? And now it's like, but then there's this other story too. It's like, no. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, that's, the, yeah, it's just, um, like, did they not, if he were any other Vulcan, I would be more interested because I wouldn't be sitting here thinking, how are they going to fuck this up? I would just yeah. be watching this story unfold.
0: Yeah. And so, like, now Burnham and Spock have to, like, know each other. Right.
1: Yeah. Just it. mm. And Spock
0: never mentions this. Never mentions her. I grew up with a human. She was wiggity whack, you know, and I can't stand you guys. Or I grew up with a human. She was way more logical than you shitheads. You know, (laughs) what's your problem? (laughs) Uh,
1: Just yeah, it's so many. Okay, so so you're you're going with the three.
0: I got to stick with the three. Uh, Yeah. Until they can jettison this this baggage and just be their own show.
1: Mm, that's a valid point yeah
0: I don't know how like looking at the next episode preview it's like ooh cool you know it's like there's gonna be a 30 minute time loop great I I love stories like that and then Harry Mudd shows up and it's like oh great it's still this show
1: yeah I that's a valid point too and Enterprise suffered from this problem with all its you know we really met the Ferengi this time like it just be your own damn series like I I'm still at a point where I have to have watched and digested all of the original series to care about all these things. And, like, that wasn't true for Next Gen. It wasn't true for DS9 or Voyager. You could be enhanced by understand like, the, op- the cold opens of Deep Space Nine and Voyager give you enough facts to keep up with the story. So even if you understood nothing about the Borg or the Cardassians uh as portrayed in Next Gen, that did not derail your viewing of DS9 or Voyager. Uh so it just feels yeah, I agree. It's like it's it it's inhibiting what is otherwise so far a pretty good show. Like Senequa Martin Green is great, Doug Jones is great, I'm really liking Anthony Rapp, there's finally a gay couple. Like there's so many things that are unique to this show that they're doing really well. That' constantly having to check in with the grand plan to integrate it into tos is just time that could be spent on anything else and i'm talking so much because i can't decide between a three and a four i'm stuck like i want to reward like i like this episode substantially more than the last two episodes largely on the basis that both the conflict and resolution flowed from character development i want to encourage that behavior on the other hand, the stuff that nags still nags, and i uh, it's a th- it's a three it's a three I, I I want to give it a four, which should say something because I only want to be nice to shows that I like, so
0: yeah, no, I understand the feeling and i was I was feeling that feeling um you know near the end of the episode, I was like, this was a good episode, you know, like this. This succeeds in its own right as a character story, but then I just was reminded of you know what they're doing to Sarek. you know, and like you said, constantly being pulled out by questions of maintenance with TOS is annoying. It's it's annoying, uh, and I, I think that's enough to like. What are fours, right? I mean, what episodes have we given fours before, you know, in, in TNG? Uh,
1: Redemption. I just watched that one. Um, I just want are you Are you pulling up a list? Uh, no, I'm not, but... <laughs> no, I get what you're saying. Like The, the th-
0: fours that I think about are like, damn, that was really good, cohesive, you know, like from start to finish, you know... It it all flowed, it all fit. Nothing dragged me out of it. It it just lacked a certain something. That's not this. You know, this had endemic problems. Yeah, that pulled, no, I pulled, pulled me out of that feeling several times.
1: No, I agree. It's 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 not quite a four. I wanted to give this a four. If she tell you if she hadn't fucked him, I would have given this a four. <laughs> yeah. Like, I would, have been hap- I would have been so happy with that whole scene in an unalloyed way that I think I could have said the Sarek stuff is why it's not a five. Hmm. I like, was that close, guys. You literally fucked it up.
0: Yeah. So, uh, that's a six total. Still, there is nothing wrong with a six. Yeah, a six show, is an average.
1: The show has been consistently at least good. It's just never sl- – it, it, it's – I I feel like I'm trying to construct a car metaphor here. Like the car works fine. The car is going along quickly, but it will not slip into the next gear. Like it just, there's something that just keeps misfiring and every, and maybe this is the problem. Maybe this is the real risk of a serialized story. If these were one-off stories, all of the things we wouldn't, we didn't like would have been one episode's worth of story. We would have said, well, that was a failure.
0: Yeah. Can you imagine TNG season one? if every episode had the Lagonians in it.
1: Oh, God. Oh God. It kind of does that. Oh, God. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. Or the or the Ferengi, you know, to, to be a little more fair. Like, <laughs> like they, they were trying to build up the Ferengi as a thing, right? And then they finally got to them, and they're like, ooh, yeah, wow, that didn't work at all, you know? And so they de-emphasized the Ferengi a bit, right? But you can't de-emphasize something that's going to happen over all 15 episodes. So this this Klingon stuff
1: Yeah. Because
0: no. we only got 2 minutes of it. But it was still, you know, like, eh, whatever.
1: Yeah, yeah no, I agree. All right. Well, we're back for next week and hopefully uh, like uh, uh, of all of the additions to the show from the original series canon, Harry Mudd has been the least problematic.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, he only had two episodes and there's there's a lot of story you could tell that does not call into question major aspects of TOS. Right. But fucking with Spock is a big deal. Don't fuck with Spock. Spock is perfect. You don't need to change Spock. You don't need to add history to Spock. You don't need to mess with anything related to Spock, literally and figuratively. So don't fuck with Sarek, you know? It's, ugh. What? <sighs> did, did, was Alex Kurtzman like, you know, just like, man, I really wish we knew more about Sarek. You know? I don't know. It, it it feels very corporate. It feels very like, well, we got to do a character that was in the Abrams movies so that Abrams shitheads will still enjoy this show or something. It, it, it's so ill-conceived. <laughs> As is, of course, being 10 years prior to TOS. So, you know, it, once the show can stop reminding me of that, I feel like I'll be able to enjoy it in a full-bodied way, you know? And to do that, I mean, it just has to, like, start telling its own stories, which the preview to the next episode seems like it might, right? You know, just just do something off the wall. Do something new. Do something different. Do something, you know, tell a story that's just itself, that doesn't fit with anything else, that doesn't color anything else, that doesn't fill in gaps, quote-unquote, with anything else. Don't do that. Don't play that game. Gaps are gaps because they didn't have to be told in the first place. Right?
1: Yeah, I'd agree with that.
0: Tell an interesting story that's interesting in its own right, that does not need to fill in gaps of other more interesting stories. You know, just let it be its own thing. Fungus drive ship in war with these character conflicts is interesting.
1: It is. Yeah, no, and it all could have taken place a hundred years in the future and it would have been fine. With
0: absolutely no no alterations. None. To the story I, I would
1: absolutely believe that the Federation, as depicted in uh, TNG DS nine Voyager plus one hundred years, was on the brink of Iconian technology. I would have no trouble. None. I was thinking about this earlier. The real problem, as far back as the Abrams movies, is you can't make Star Trek cool. Star Trek's not cool. It's just not. I love it for all the things that make it uncool. I wish more of the world did in fact consider those qualities cool. But it's not. And there's plenty of other cool things that do cool things much better. Just let Star Trek be uncool. Is is really where it lands for me? Like it just uh,
0: <laughs> you're, yeah, tra- trying to inject a bunch of sex and explosions into Star Trek actually diminishes what Star Trek is,
1: and is not as good as other sources of sex and explosions, which I enjoy. I I like sex and explosions, just not in my Star Trek. Yeah. You're just you're just never going to make Star Trek cool. Stop trying, just. We're a niche. Let us be our niche. <laughs>
0: well, and that's why you put it on your fucking streaming service in the first place. Oh,
1: thank you for mentioning. It was not
0: streaming very well today, I have Thank to say. you.
1: Oh, my God. I had to, I had to restart it.
0: Yeah, I, I restarted uh, it, too.
1: Yeah, I'm like, an ad literally froze, which, first of all, what are you using? Java? Like, or, like, <laughs> if nothing else, I can articulate my annoyance at the lack of having this on Netflix in this country, because Netflix has refined their streaming model even even Hulu Hulu has ads. Hulu ads no longer jack up my PS4. Like I I haven't had to cold restart the the app to make it work. Uh, you know, just little shit. Like get your shit together or just put it on goddamn Netflix.
0: Yeah, my stream actually it wasn't in the ads. It was it would just like inexplicably jump forward five seconds, and Ooh. it's like clearly there there was a line of dialogue there that just didn't happen, and so I had to. Rewind it 10 seconds. And I think doing that enough, you know, finally the program was just like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> you know, we've seized up, folks. It's time to reboot your, you know, Amazon Fire Stick. Um, yeah.
1: Because if nothing, uh, speaking of th- needless things that remind me of the annoying things, like every time the ad freezes up, it reminds me that I'm paying in advance for a Unitasker streaming service. Like, you don't want me to think about that, because that really annoys the hell out of me. You want this to be an effortless, seamless experience so that I forget that I'm doing that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, you uh, suck, CBS.
1: In so many ways. Just give us creative control of the franchise already. We'd be so much better at it.
0: Uh. I, You know, I would even accept, like, a third party. Uh, just
1: uh, anyone not Alex Kurtzman essentially well
0: yes a a third creator who would like if you and I were in control of the franchise we might try to uh, like be too perfect or something you know like we might sterilize it to the point that you know we, we were so afraid of doing something new and different we'd need like a braga you know just to throw out crazy ass ideas you know and then we could attenuate those ideas so that they would fit, right? Um, I mean, I, I'm sure you and I could come up with interesting stories, too. Uh, but I understand the need for new, different, strange, you know,
1: uh, well, pushing, yeah, and, well, you know pushing boundaries. And, and revisiting Sarek's storyline, is it new?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's the thing. That's the stupid thing. is like they're not actually doing anything new. They're just messing around with old things which is dumb Uh, okay anyway when we could turn off our brains with respect to other Star Trek this was pretty good but when it just egregiously beat us over the head with other Star Trek it wasn't so good and that averages out to it was pretty decent
1: Like, uh, all of the changes they made from the last episode to this, I want them to do more of. I'll I'll say that much.
0: Every time I've watched it, including the preview for next episode, I've thought to myself, discovery giveth, discovery taketh away. (laughs) You know? And it's like, that preview was literally that. It was like 15 seconds of, whoa, interesting sci-fi stuff, discovery giveth. And then Harry Mudd's like, I'm back. And I was like, ugh. And discovery taketh away. Right? <laughs> so that that's that's kind of where I'm at on the show. It's it's like even when there's a nice thing, I'm like, okay, how are they gonna fuck this up?
1: Well, they only have three more episodes before the winter break to do it, so
0: <laughs> I guess. So a six a a a a mixed bag with a lot of good things and a few like razor blades. Um a six.
1: Yep. All right. That's that's it for this one. Uh, see you back for next week and more hairy mud. Can't wait. Yep, <laughs>
0: indeed. Good night, everybody.
1: Good night.